What is needed to emotionally heal our fractured nation on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast? This episode is brought to you by Funwise Capital. Funwise Capital is a business lender matching platform. Avoid the mystery of one-sided deals. Connect with Funwise to get the very best funding you can qualify for fast. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. It's easy. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You did hear me correctly. I did say start or grow your business. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. Get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. Unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups like I already mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really easy. Just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Get money for your business now. Fly.funwise.com slash mind dog. Is everybody ready for the mind dog? Come on, give me the show. Start the clock. And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here as always. We're going to talk to an energy healer today, uh, written a lot, several books, uh, mostly focusing on uh, healing trauma, brain injury, uh, strokes, things like that. Uh, but the um, suggested title of the program, uh, sent by her PR agent, uh, was uh, What is Needed to Emotionally Heal Our Fractured Nation? And I got to think, well, somebody's more of an optimist than I am. Um, if you're not paying attention to what's going on in America right now with the <clears throat> trials and hearings uh, around uh, January 6th, the events of January 6th, uh, you'd have to be pretty crazy to think, <laughs> in my mind, and I'm not casting as, uh, aspersions on my guests today, but I think you'd have to be crazy to think there's any way uh, we're going to be avoiding uh, what is going to be the next civil war in America. And I don't want it. Believe me, I don't want it. I'm trying to talk the people who do want it into some uh, sense and some sense of reality about what that really means. It means killing your neighbors. It means killing your friends and family over politicians. Just ridiculous. Uh, so we're going to be talking about <laughs> energy healing we're going to be talking about probably uh, trauma and healing brain injury. Uh, but when it comes to healing our fractured nation, emotionally healing our fractured nation, I'm a skeptic, folks. I'm a cynic. I don't think it can be done. I think we're way past the point of uh, being able to communicate with each other. Uh, but we'll see what my guest has to say about it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm coming at it from a very uh, different place than she is. Uh, so let's get right to it. And, and I apologize if I am mispronouncing her last name. I did not uh, get a chance to speak to her because we were up 
against the clock just getting started today. First show of November, by the way. I hate November. <laughs> I hate November, December, uh, January, and February. Those are my four worst months. After that, the, the year is all fine here. And typically a November day, you're gray, cloudy, starting to get a little cold, starting to feel winter creep in. Not my, not my happy spot. Well, let's get to the program today. Susanna Stoica. I hope I got that right. Has a PhD in computer engineering and over 30 years of experience in defining and using advanced technologies. Born with the gift of healing, she worked with doctors uh, to aid in healing people worldwide. After two traumatic brain injuries on the same day, she decided to focus her healing practice on helping people with neural impairments, especially those who have recent and old brain trauma, including strokes. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Susanna Stoica, PhD, to Mind Dog TV podcast. Susanna, welcome. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I really appreciate being on your show. And uh, I share your opinion of being really worried about what's happening today. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I, I'm not, I'm, I hate to be a cynic or t- I mean, I'm by nature a pessimist. I'm not an optimist by nature, but I try to um, manifest some optimism in my life. I am finding it because I follow this stuff really closely and I'm having a real difficult time. So, but it's, it's, uh, it's an odd thing to be associated with brain healing and then uh, using that same kind of modality to, to try to address what's going on with us as a greater people. Talk to me about uh, what, your, what your outlook on, on that idea and how that could even work. Can, can you, I know what energy healing is. I've been part of uh, a school of energy healers for my, in my youth, uh, so I'm familiar with it. Maybe we should start there. Let's explain what exactly energy healing is to the to the audience before we go on. Every person has an energy field, and it's uh, because of the reactions inside the body, uh, according to scientists. Uh, I think it's what uh, the religious people call the soul, and uh, I find that when people are worried or angry or uh, have a trauma, their energy field doesn't work properly. And uh, that results in uh, illness. So basically, people who were traumatized, uh, and that's a lot what's happening lately, you know, all the fighting with each other, actually makes us sick. And I think the COVID became so bad because of people uh, actually being uh, in a fight with other people. Yeah, I, I think and this... It wouldn't have been so so terrible if people would have helped each other instead of fighting with each other. <laughs> yeah, but that has actually been one of the things that had triggered uh the fighting in some ways people taking uh political uh positions on on something like a disease in a you know a uh communicable disease it's just it's it's unprecedented in my lifetime that people would just kind of line up on political sides it doesn't it seems to me and and just kind of backtracking here because i know not everybody is 
uh, I, I'm assuming that everybody has had my experience and your experience with energy healing. So I'm just going to back up a little bit. What you're talking about, human energy field and in the Barbara Brennan School of Healing, where I worked for uh, several years, they called it the HOF or human energy field. But it's in, interchangeable with the word aura. Most people would be more yes. uh, common. That would be a common name that people would, would associate. So, so the aura. So. It's unusual that people would would kind of pick these uh, political battle lines over a disease. I think that's pretty well established. But when we talk about healing the nation emotionally, can and we talk about an aura of a person, does the collective nation have an energy field? Yes, of course. Uh, we we do have every entity has an energy a collective energy field. And uh, the collective energy field of a nation is very strongly influenced by uh, uh, people who are uh, directing the politics. And uh, it's very important because of that, what messages are coming from uh, our leaders. Because if our leaders are are, uh, separating the different groups actually are creating more division. Right. And given the fear, the terrible fear associated with COVID, it becomes even amplified. And I can tell you as a healer, I worked uh, since age seven with my family, and then uh, I worked for nearly 40 years. This next March will be 40 years that I am working with people internationally doing healing. There is no difference whatsoever in the energy field of a person if they are black or white or pink or whatever, or they have certain political beliefs or if they have uh, sexual preferences. There is no difference in in the energy field. But is a difference if you are angry or if you are at peace, if you are uh, fearful or if you are relaxed. So negative emotional states create uh, changes in our physical body. And that was demonstrated by uh, Dr. Lipton, Bruce Lipton, who wrote a very interesting book, which is very easy to understand, uh, Biology of Belief. And he, is, um, he made some experiments and showed that the proteins in our uh, cells are curving when we are under negative emotions. Okay. And uh, he was inspired actually by uh, um, uh, a book called Molecules of Emotion uh, that discusses about uh, how uh, trauma tends to get stuck in our field in different parts of the body if it's not dealt with it immediately. And uh, he wanted to prove, uh, physical proof of changes in the body because of uh, negative emotions. And he demonstrated it, and he ended up being uh, offered the position as a professor at Stanford University as a result, yes. Uh, In the meantime, he decided to uh, withdraw Uh, a few years ago because he wanted the independence of research. But his book is very interesting 
And think about the fact that if our proteins curve when we have negative emotion, what happens with our DNA, which is basically a protein ladder? If our proteins curve, it means our DNA uh, torques and becomes tighter. What happens then when it was it uh, supposed to split in the RNA and the part which dies off, in the part which tells a new cell how to function? So a liver cell always replicates as a liver cell. Uh, uh, lung cell is always a lung cell. If that is tight, basically the split might be uh, might have erroneous. Um, information. Okay. So, what is cancer? Is well, that's my, that's just all I had is, of these erroneous cells? Right. I was and, thinking of that as you started talking about, you know, uh, cell splitting, and could that be what what really causes cancer? Uh, this is as old stuff is uh, pretty far out there for, you know, I, I'm sure you've spent your life uh, in it and, and feel like it's second nature. I've had some experience with it, but there are a lot of people out there who are saying, wait, slow down. This, this doesn't make any sense. A lot of people, most people, I would say, and, and I could be wrong about this, but I think most people have a difficult problem understanding the concept of the of human beings and all matter being energy, not and our, our physical our physical appearance, our phys, uh, physical manifestation is just a uh, how we perceive the energy that that is that makes up who we are. That's a difficult concept for people. Uh, so maybe if we could slow down just a little bit and kind of uh, get to that point for the people who've had no experience with energy healing, don't even really know what it is. We're talking about what or we can use the word or we can use the word energy field, but that is not who we are. Our physical manifestation is based on that field. Is that correct? Do I have that correct? Yes, uh, the field, to my surprise as a scientist, because I, I started up, I am an engineer by training. So when I got into this world of energetics, I was really shocked by the fact that the energy field was actually controlling the physical, not the other way around. Right. I think a lot of people have a, a difficult time with that concept. I think I'm one of them who have, a, I, I understand it, but... You know, when it comes down, I my I can feel my hand. I can see my hand. I can touch my hand. I can't see the energy field. Can you? Uh, yes, I can. Uh, there are certain people who can see it. Um, there, there is a theory that actually kids can see it, a lot of kids, but they lose their capability because parents don't believe what they see, what the kids tell them. Right. Uh, it, the way I... I came to be peaceful about this concept is I looked at what happens to water. The water, if it's ice, it's very solid. If you raise the temperature, which means the atoms are more have more space, then it becomes liquid. If we heat it further, the space between atoms becomes even bigger. And what happens? It's vapors. So uh, imagine uh, your body as being the, the dense part, uh, 
uh, vapor part. That's how I, I came to peace with it as a scientist. Okay. Now you say that some people can see it and, and others can't. Now I know I can't. Uh, is, is there something, uh, are there steps people can take to actually be able to see it? Can we all see it? Or, uh, you know, if we, we go through a, or get trained to see it or uh, learn how to see it, can ever, anybody see it? with the proper training, uh, I guess. Uh, there is a very, uh, there are some very uh, simple exercises for seeing and perceiving energy field in my book, Reluctant Healer, which is uh, basically an introductory po book to energy healing. I don't believe and, I have that uh, cover, but I have this one. <laughs> no, it's not that one. Healing with a loving heart, that, uh, that's a different one. Okay. It's Reluctant Healer. It's this one. This one. Hold on. Hold it up so I can do this. There you go. Okay. Gotcha. So that's the one. Um, it's a very easy to read book. It, it uh, People tell me that they can't put it down once they start reading it. Uh, it tells a story of a healing process. And also, uh, I answer a lot of questions because I found uh, that people repeatedly ask about the same questions. I probably so I, I have already. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote those down and I answered those. And at the end, I have some exercises to seeing and perceiving energy field and some easy stuff to remove pain. Well, it's it because I was involved in it in the 1990s, and that seems like a long time ago now. Uh, it, but because you're talking about people asking the same questions, which I'm asking the same questions as if I were a complete beginner and, and had no knowledge of the stuff, because it's surprising to me that 25 years since I've worked in that field uh, um, and it, it's still not really well known about in, in the general public. Most people, I would say most people in the United States don't know about this stuff at all. So I wanted to give people at least some background in what we're talking about here. Now, learning to see the field is one thing, but diagnosing uh, problems and or, or treatments based on what you see in the field, that's something that's really um, a, a, a infant uh, in, in science, uh, basically, in its infancy in science. I mean, it's a hard thing to really uh, nail down exactly what changes in the field might mean. You can see them, but how, how do you use them to diagnose and treat them? And I'm, I'm building up to how we kind of look at the country and nation and what's going on with us in there. But say for a, an individual, you, you spot something in their field. Is there a textbook like there is in medicine of okay this is the symptom this is what i'm seeing this is what it correlates into disease and treatment actually in uh, healing does not exist the label of a certain disease okay um, the labeling of diseases is actually was done in order to uh, make the medical treatments easier and medical treatments usually deal with the symptom of the illness rather than the cause of the illness. Right. That's the big difference between healing and, uh, and the different alternatives, actually. Uh, homeopathic and acupuncture and every alternative deals with the source of the problem. 
Right. Well, that's kind of where our when we're talking about um, the nation and what's what's wrong with us as a a people right now. Uh, that's a battle. I think I'm saying uh, along political lines uh, every day on Twitter is because I see a lot of people thinking if we could just get rid of Donald Trump, the world would be a beautiful place. And I say Donald Trump is not the disease. He's a symptom. He's a symptom of the people who support him and the, the people who, who prop him up. And, but he's a symptom of half the country's mindset, emotional state, uh, all of that stuff. So he's not, you can get rid of Donald Trump. You're not going to make America, uh, you know, sing uh, Kundala, whatever that is, Kumbaya. Uh, we're not going to all just get along by by getting, because he is a symptom. He is not the disease. And I think uh, when we talk about uh, what's going on in the country, what do you perceive as uh the root causes of the division and the anger and the uh, emotional um, just disconnect in America right now? Is what we value. Look at the press. What is mainly in the press? The negative stuff. Right. How many newspapers would you sell if you would talk about positive stuff only? You know what? I don't know about that because I, I know this. If I posted a happy, feel-good story on on uh, social media, it gets far more likes than if I post something that's really negative or looking for a fight. Now, we, we might get more engagement, more people uh, joining the fight if I post something negative. People want to put their opinions in. But if I post something that is really a feel-good story, I'll get a lot of likes on it and, and a lot of love from it and all that stuff. People engage in different ways. So I'm not sure that uh, we definitely want that negativity, but I think that negativity, those those really bad stories, are what feeds us into conflict, without a doubt. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, if you would have uh, positive stories, people would say, no, that's not real life. Right. Too many... Uh, Plus, uh, the shock effect makes people uh, pay attention. That's a human nature. So newspapers and uh, TV stations look at the negative stuff happening and report on it because they need to sell. Right. And yeah. people know that if they, uh, they do a dumb thing, and especially if it's a well-known person, they are going to uh, have a good, uh, decent PR. It's not a good PR, but it's a decent PR versus if they are nice to, to their wives and kind to their kids, they are not getting any PR. Right. So that's what uh, feeds the mindset. Gotcha. Now, I also believe that a lot of uh, kids... The, and youngsters that are in jail are because they were trauma, brain traumatized uh, as kids by beating, by fighting, and it's untreated, of course. And they end up because they can't, especially if it's a frontal brain injury, they end up being violent because they don't have that filter to keep them back. So one of the things, uh, important things would be to educate parents how important it is to, to deal with a brain trauma 
more seriously. One of the problems with brain trauma, of course, uh, poorer people don't have medical insurance and they don't go to the hospital. They don't take the kids to the hospital. And the kid uh, sleeps it off more or less and ends up with a problem. Right. And as uh, people who studied brain, uh, among whom is Dr. Squire, who has a, a book about uh, trauma and how trauma develops over years, he says that if you get a brain trauma and it uh, is untreated, actually the place of the trauma tends to expand in the brain with, uh, with time. Because as a trau uh, similar trauma comes along and gets triggered again and again and again. And one of the worst traumas, according to Dr. Schreier, is the fact that uh, kids who are traumatized, they have a positive need for the love of the parent and they get beaten by the parent. So now the trauma get, uh, would be triggered both when they are traumatized in a similar way as well as when uh, they have a loving relationship. Now, I'm, a, I'm confused about something. Now, and uh, I, if I am, probably some people in the audience. <laughs> Just, uh, when we talk about uh, brain trauma, now, do, oh, do, does a physical injury uh is that necessary for brain trauma or, or are you talking about uh just um things that can happen that will affect you that are traumatic in a way to uh personal personality wise or mentally wise uh traumatic in that way but not necessarily a physical injury Oh, yes, it doesn't have to be a physical injury. Sometimes emotional trauma it's much worse than physical trauma. Right. So that, so if that a person gets put down all the time and they have zero self-esteem, uh, they can't do too much in life and they want to escape that feeling of being nil and they would do anything for it. Right. And they well, would get that's a big danger for the youngster to be associated with undesirable people. No, I get that. Uh, but I, uh, my, where I was going here is I think. And I could be wrong about that. I'm wrong so often. I, I'm, you know, I'm wrong more often than I'm right. I'm like a broken clock. Uh, but um, I think most people would would say that they've had trauma, uh, tr childhood trauma of that, of emotional trauma. You know, that kind of uh, a trauma in their life at some point to some degree. So, what separates those people who really? Um, don't deal with it and end up, uh, you know, taking a bad turn in life and those people who um, somehow survive it and, and don't let it affect them for lack of a better way of uh, characterizing it. That is what family, where family comes in. You know, if you have a family who, tell, uh, who teaches you that in spite of whatever happens in your life, you have value and you can overcome then you that's what you will do. And it's interesting, I find that kids uh, learn much more from how the parents behave rather than what they say. Mm. So if they say uh, these they see in their family uh, being valued, good work and uh, a good position and uh, being respected, then that's what the kid will follow. 
you know what? Uh, I, and I'm not being contrary, contrarian here, uh, but I use often on this program, I, I make an example of myself. And well, what I'm not listening to what you're talking about, about a strong family can help you survive that trauma. My and people who listen to the program, this is no big revelation here. My family was completely dysfunctional and I was uh, definitely emotionally traumatized, but my father was uh, a bookmaker and heavily involved uh, with organized crime. Uh, And my uncle uh, who was sometimes at our house and sometimes not welcome at our house was an actual hitman for the <laughs> mafia. And wow. so, and, and uh, my parents lo- lost me at a racetrack when I was three years old, lost me. And I was gone for five days. Uh, that's, this is the kind of house I grew up in. And I left home at 14 years old. So I, I, I was traumatized, did not have any, any family really for support or any of that kind of positive encouragement. But I somehow, um, did not end up in jail, did not end up, although I could have, I could have easily taken the wrong turn at, at some point. Uh, so I'm wondering, you know, what what is the differentiator there in your mind? Because I, I'm listening to what you're saying, and I, I somewhat, I absolutely agree that a strong family, uh, supportive family can help you get through some of that stuff, but I didn't have any of it. I did not end up you know, on death row (laughs) or even with a life sentence for whatever, you know, which could have happened. So how do you explain that? Uh, Probably you decided at one time that you are not going to be like your parents. Yeah, that that is absolutely true. (laughs) Absolutely true. So that's another option. uh, Some people just look at what's happening and say, this is not what the life I want. That's why I left home at 14. I mean, I basically, uh, what we would classify as a runaway now, I instead of going to school, getting on the school bus, I had a friend drive me to the airport at 14 years old where you could buy a one-way ticket as a 14-year-old child uh, to wherever you wanted to go. As long as you had the cash, you would no questions asked. You didn't need any ID or anything. Just get on a plane and go. And that's what I did. So uh, no question I made a decision not to do that. Uh, so... Uh, looking at, um, and I know most of your work is with, um, people, individuals with, with, um, trauma, brain trauma and that kind of stuff. But uh, when we look at, at what's really going on in the nation, and this is kind of, uh, probably a leap, but is there anything that can be done on an energetic level in your mind to, to, kind of mend the gap somewhat in what's going on with us as a people what i tell people it's uh it's a very simple thing just make a decision that every day you are going to be nice to three five ten people it can be a cashier at the supermarket and you, instead of just uh, looking through the person, you tell them, uh, I really appreciate uh, that you are here working today, which I frequently do because of the COVID. Uh, or uh, I have a service dog and I let them pet the dog, which a lot of people appreciate. So make sure that you have a number of people, make a conscious decision that you are going to be nice to an certain number of people every day and do it 
and it it really spreads like a disease, but it's a good disease. Right. Well, um, and it's a beautiful thought. I just think we're going to have a lot of, you know, again, the cynic in me, I think sometimes if you get slapped enough, you just get, you get conditioned to expect another slap. So the cynic in me is saying, it's a great, beautiful idea that you have there. And I try to practice it. People know I can be annoying with the love and kindness stuff uh, and the, the stuff, but getting people to actually buy into it now. And, and I think we can get individuals to buy into it. You know, willy nilly. <laughs> hey, Andy, uh, willy nilly, people will buy into it. But getting the society as a whole to buy into that. When we have militias planning, you know, arming themselves and planning on the next revolution, uh, I don't, uh, you know, all due respect, I don't see that as being the answer to, to that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean, as an individual you can do. Right. The other thing is that we have to, to stop. Uh, feeding uh, hate to each other. Oh yeah, I we can't do that. I'm uh, I am an immigrant, as you can see from uh, here from my accent, and I came here giving up everything. Started from absolutely zero, and I never saw what I am seeing right now. And it's scary because I gave up a life. Uh, I gave up my roots, and I I was I am so grateful every day I wake up for being here. And people who are who are born here don't understand what a gift this country is. No, I, I the poorest agree. person here has much more than a person had in my country or origin under communist rule. Right. I, I was thinking about this last night and about uh, your perception that, well, first of all, that second and third generation immigrants, people whose grandfathers emigrated here, uh, they have less appreciation for the life we live. But when we talk about poverty level and, and things like this, I think we take we take uh, what we call middle-class existence for granted in a, in a huge way. And when, when people think about what's poor, sometimes, uh, you know, and if we've got used to the idea that, and especially in the, in this country in the fifties, that one person should be able to support an entire household uh, financially and things worked out for a while in that way, but things are not that way. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to have, and people might disagree with me on this, necessarily a bad thing to have an extended family living under one roof, contributing to one family. That, to me, is not poor necessarily. That gets us back to more family values, people living together, understanding how to live together. And that's not poverty. I mean, it just sometimes it takes more people to contribute. But we, you know, we you want to live poverty, you know, go to really the uh, Amazon or go to places in sub-Saharan Africa and you'll see what real poverty looks like. We are, we don't, you know, every people walking around with iPhones, brand new iPhones calling themselves poor. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, are you an optimist at all for uh, hope and change in America or, or not? I really hope that people will, uh, would wake up and I hope that uh, it would get to a point where people would see uh, that 
if you hate each other, actually everybody loses. Yeah. Well, it's, that, it's you know, the person who 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 goes and uh, destroys a business, uh, setting fire to the business, is just expressing their anger. Right. In a, in a bad way. Right. No. What will happen with that person if he gets caught? Is uh, in jail for a long time. He destroyed his uh, uh, his possibility of being a decent human being, having a, uh, the American dream of a house, a family, and the position in society. No he doubt, lost. no doubt about it. And I think you hit on it before when I when I asked you about this thing. You said it, it's what we value. I think. Society, you know, there are people who um, feel like they've been marginalized and well, society and co- uh, pop culture puts the emphasis on materialism. And, I, you know, we hear a lot about capitalism and communism. I think the biggest problem in society in the world today is this idea of materialism. We value our, we we determine our self-worth through things, through big TV sets and cars and all this stuff. So somebody who's marginalized sees people who uh, are rich or wealthy with all these big things, and then when something breaks out and uh, and they're looting stores to take these big TVs, they just want a piece of that culture idea that uh, people who have these things must be happy because things will make us happy, and that idea of materialism. Uh, over any other ism, I think is is the most poisonous thing in society, and it, it feeds into that. I hate because they have the big toys and I don't. And I and when you see them looting stores and stuff like that, it's just I want a piece of. I want to see what it feels like to have a big TV. I want to feel see what it feels like to have the latest gadget or thing that people are selling. I think that's a big part of it. You agree? Yes, uh, and I can tell you, I worked with people who were extremely rich and people who were who didn't have too much, and the people who are extremely rich, uh, the percentage of unhappiness oh, yeah. is much, uh, <laughs> much bigger than uh, with the people who have a little bit and they have a close family and they value each other, uh, because when people have. A lot of people, when they have more money, they want more and more and more. And that is not no end to it. Right. Yeah. It's and something that uh, I, the typical story is of a, of a woman who came to me and she had uncontrollable allergies. And it be whatever the doctor, the doctor, her doctor sent her to me. And uh, he couldn't understand why he tried everything, an alternative doctor, and it was just becoming worse. So uh, I am also a licensed uh, certified hypnotherapist. So I started working hypnotherapy with her because I realized it was emotional. And guess what? Her problem was that her grandfather passed away and he had $10 million. And he decided uh, from five siblings to give each of, uh, of the well-to-do siblings who had many millions, one million, and then give the, uh, so four of them, four million, and the rest of the six million was given to one who was disabled and couldn't take care of himself and uh, needed constant uh, attendance. Guess what? This woman was 
having this terrible allergy because he was she was angry that she didn't get her share. Wow. Crazy. Crazy and when stuff. she realized when we worked and she realized what was the problem, she gave up on being angry and her allergies just disappeared. Yeah. Uh when you talk about rich the very rich, and there are so many examples of people who were extremely wealthy and public examples, people like Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson and all these people who were extremely wealthy, had everything to live for, supposedly in the eyes of of uh, their fans and stuff, but were miserable people and died young because of it. So there's there's that stuff. And I'm not saying that uh, money will definitely get being wealthy will definitely make you unhappy, but there it certainly isn't the cure for what makes you unhappy. And I think that's that's a big part of the uh, understanding. But and, and I want to talk about this doctor who sent sent you somebody because I want to talk about the uh, the incorporation of this into traditional medicine now. But before I, I do with, with that, I just wanted to kind of uh, address this idea of um, what energy healing really is. So you can recognize in somebody's field what's going on. Now, explain for people how you would work with that manipulating the energy field changing it or uh seeing something is wrong in the energy field and how you what steps you might take in treatment of of something like that because when i was involved with the barbara brennan school there was like hands over it called it hands-on healing but it was hands over did a lot of chanting and this kind of stuff and moving stuff around is that what you do yes i do it but i do it at a distance i uh my all, all my work is at a distance okay. and what's happening i can perceive in the energy field changes and what does it mean uh, our field has every field uh, has a certain frequency um, so how far is how fast is vibrating as well as an amplitude which means how strong is this vibration and it's like a fingerprint. It's uh, every person is different. And there is an overall feel of this field. And if you have certain um, events happening, trauma, physical or emotional, there are changes. For example, if you have pus, uh, you have a sinus infection with pus, the energy field would be sick in that area or you have a broken bone, for example, manifest as literally a broken energy field. Um, so in the first case, you have to remove this thick feeling from the field, which is basically a very slowly vibrating field area and making equal with the rest of the field. While in the case of a broken bone, you have to literally energetically weave uh, back the field so it's uh, the same in the area of the fracture as well as uh, in the overall field and because the field is controlling the physical it directs uh, the physical how how it should replicate eventually the physical will will uh, become okay 
All right. Uh, uh, Dr. Deepak Chopra, uh, we used to talk about this stuff all the time. And I uh, just watched a video last night of uh, people basically um, calling him evil um, and a man of bad intent and bad intentions and uh, a snake oil salesman. So uh, the question I have really is, I know 25 years ago, things were moving slow towards uh, traditional medicine and science accepting the kind of things you're talking about. Has that opened up uh, as traditional science? Because according to the video I watched where they did pretty much undressed uh, Dr. Chopra last night, uh, it didn't seem like it has progressed at all. Uh, your take on, because you said the doctor sent somebody to you. I'm just wondering, has that traditional medicine accepted any more traditional science uh doing real honest laboratory research into this stuff and taking it seriously or not uh, most of the research if alternative is done by alternative people right for example a lot of uh, i'm i am part of the healing touch uh, program uh and uh, which is a program which uh, teaches people how to do healing and uh, certifies uh, nurses and lay people to be able to work in hospitals, for example. Um, the organization does a lot of research in how healing touch uh, influences the health of the people. And they have very strict experimental uh, ways of doing it. Also, there are doctors like Dr. Mercola who, who works a lot with uh, uh, collecting all the scientific proof of alter for alternatives. Yeah, proof is a difficult word. I think evidence is because proof uh, is subjective, right? I mean, it yes. basically a jury a jury can agree, but that doesn't mean it was definitely <laughs> on a verdict, but that doesn't mean it was necessarily right. The problem... But the problem with uh, proving healing uh, to people is that not to people, uh, not, every person is different. Right. They have a different energy field. And because of the environment, the same type of, of energetic imbalance will produce different symptoms in different people. Right. So it's very difficult to, to prove energy uh, healing and energy uh, um, changes because there, are, there is uh, very little uh, direct experiment which can be repeated exactly from person to person. And I think part of the thing that complicates this, at least in my experience, is um, most people hear the word healing, healing and they think it... it equals cure right and so no. uh they they so the idea is that if i'm going to go to you for healing all you're going to do is put your hands over me i'm going to walk out and i'm going to be cured of whatever was ailing me and so that makes understanding this stuff far more different so maybe you can, uh difficult maybe you can just explain the difference between healing and a cure uh, healers never uh, tell you that they will cure a certain illness. Uh, curing is a um, uh, domain of uh, mainstream medicine. 
Right. They are cures the symptoms. The healing, um, as I told you, if somebody is under stress, uh, the proteins in our body uh, curve. So if a person comes to a healer and they have some reason to be afraid or some reason not to heal, uh, they won't have the benefit of the of the session. Uh, the best example is that I was sent uh, a lady um, years and years ago who had a very active thyroid. Her eyes were bulging. She had hardly any uh, hair on her head. And her thyroid was so big that she had to ke- uh, had her keep her high because it was uh, filling all the space of the neck. And it was visible from the back. Wow. So big. So after the two sessions, when she came to a third one, her eyes were back in place. Her uh, thyroid was small, so she could uh, hold her head properly, but it was still big. I didn't see it from the back. And she had some tests. And her thyroid function were 10 times less. And I, when I found out the result, I said, oh, I am so happy for you. Because she, she came to me as a, a free per, uh, person because she wanted, uh, she, and she was complaining that she doesn't have money and she can't do this and she can't do that. And I said, I am so happy that now you will be able to work and you have to, your dream comes through. He says, I don't want to get anywhere any better. And I said, why? She said, because now I am on disability and I worked as a massage therapist under the table. So I have the freedom to do everything I want and I don't have a fixed job to go to and work nine to five. I worked 12 more sessions with this person. Nothing changed. She was actually the driver that to, for me to go and get uh, certified as a hypnotherapist. Because I realized that it was an emotional problem. It wasn't anymore a, a physical problem. Yeah, that's that's just, uh, man, that's so typical of, of the world we live in is that, uh, and I'm not casting judgment here because I realize with uh, a lot of introspection that I wanted an easier life for myself. I was not happy with the work I was doing with my life for most of my life. Not happy. I worked jobs to support what I did creatively, but I didn't I wasn't happy in those jobs. So I was always looking for a way to beat the system. And it sounds like that woman has that same problem. So of course, getting better in her mind would throw a monkey wrench into her ability to beat the system as she found it so she's not going to move forward and she's going to block every whether it's uh, through intentionally uh, sitting down and looking for a way to sabotage healing or getting better in, in, in a lot of ways she's going to either intentionally sabotage it or subconsciously sabotage it because it throws a monkey wrench into our ability to beat the system. I think we have to 
and and this and, you know when we talk about huge organisms like a like a country like a society it it's much more difficult to to embrace these concepts but we have to embrace the concepts of being courageous and going after the life you want understanding that sometimes it may make you very uncomfortable you'll have to live a starving life in order to pursue the life that will truly make you happy but that's better than than placating as i did for 40 years or more and going to a job i hated looking for a way out that would beat the system unfairly or unjustly i should have been uh brave enough to kind of face what i uh those challenges on my own and handle them upright and straight with with uh, the uh, integrity of doing what my or fulfilling my life's purpose rather than hoping I could uh, find a loophole in the system that would help me live my life's purpose. It sounds like that's exactly what you ran up <laughs> ran up against in that lady. So uh, I used to in my uh, professional work, I used to mentor a lot. And what I would tell the young engineers coming into the field w- was, Look, in the beginning, you are lucky if you get 20% of your work that you like, and the rest is absolutely drudgery. Right. But if you do that 20, uh, that uh, 100% or 120%, all of it, eventually you will get to the point where they will trust you enough that you are going to deliver 100% on the work which you like right yeah yeah that's a hard concept but again it, it it's easier on the individual level and i guess if we're looking at because uh, you know it, it seems like a convoluted conversation going back from individual to what's wrong with america right now but you can't really address it as a national problem you have to go one individual at a time and hopefully we get enough people on board to make a difference you agree absolutely absolutely it was a very interesting experiment um that they did with uh, transcendental meditation i uh, i don't know if you heard about it they decided to see what is the influence of transcendental meditation on washington dc crime and uh, it was a, this group of people, several thousand people, uh, of uh, doing meditation at the same time. And they did it for a while. And they were actually capable of reducing the crime in Washington, D.C., measurably. Wow. Pretty, pretty uh, astounding. And the uh, multiplier is not a, it wasn't a big group of people comparatively with the amount of crime. So if you get together and you you uh, do good stuff together, it starts with a person, you know. Right. Try try helping people with whatever you can. Some person, you know, uh, would go to uh, cheer up the uh, people in the hospital. Another person will go to a soup kitchen. Do whatever you can. Mm. Just bring a smile to somebody's face. You make their day. Well, I I live my life doing that. Uh, not necessarily on a mission to do that, but uh, kind of 
by accident. I mean, when anybody who's in entertainment in any way, that's what you live for. You live for that uh, moment where you make people happy, whether it's a smile or it's a, a song or whatever it is. So I appreciate that. Now, uh, to a lot of people, myself included, this can often feel like um, new agey, religion, uh, all that stuff. And um, don't cast dispersion on that, even though I think I'm not a big fan of organized religion. But when it comes to the human condition, and because I'm writing a book on it, and I like want to get every single guest I talk to's opinion on this, uh, how do I phrase this? The um, the what what's the word I'm looking for? The nature, I guess, of good and evil. Now, because we're talking about you're talking about trying to, for, for lack of a better word to describe it, you're talking about trying to get people to appeal to their good side, do doing good good work, and and, and you know uh, all the things you talked about are out of goodness, and but people have uh the ability to manifest evil in, in some ways. So I'm just curious about your, um, your perception of the nature of good and evil and in, in the human condition. Can you talk to me about that at all? Uh, I think a lot of people, um, have the problem that they learned in childhood to repress emotions. And when you repress emotions, being there, uh, even if you start repressing negative emotions, you shut down your emotions. Uh, you shut down the good emotions too. And when you are, have the emotions shut down, you are not relating perfectly to people. You are able to do horrible things without any feeling. So what we have to learn is to learn how to express our emotions. That's the key for a better society. Hmm. Because I can be I can be upset and the first thing I will go to I will go to compassion and realize that the person is angry at me because something happened in their life not in my life. And I just happened to be in front of them at that particular moment. Wow. And it might be a word that I said that triggered their anger or even a wink or a movement of my hand. It's enough to, to trigger a past trauma. Wow. Uh, I'm looking at like very powerful world leaders though. And when you talk about emotions, I it seems at least they put on, you know, I'm talking about heads of state and big people who, you know, we generally think of as either good or evil, depending on if you're a fan of their politics or not, I guess. But I can look at people who I think most of us would agree are evil. And I'm talking about like Stalin and Hitler and people like that. Where we don't, I, they give at least the appearance of not having any emotion at all. Like they, they are basically uh, devoid of any emotion or any connection to humanity at all. So when you talk about uh, not being really uh, or suppressing emotions, it doesn't seem like they have any emotions to suppress. They're just cold as stone people. Am I wrong in that? Uh, actually, uh, 
in a way, both of them were very fearful. Fearful, yeah. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about that. I, so yeah. uh, the, fear is the most basic emotion. All the rest of negative emotions come out of fear. Right. So Stalin was killing left and right because he was afraid of being replaced. Yeah. Hitler was uh, um, doing what he's doing because he was uh, uh, afraid that people would find out the truth about him. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you know, a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of people who who uh, ha find themselves in those positions are ab absolutely covering up for their own insecurities, without a doubt. Now, uh, we are kind of, it's an hour in, we need to talk about the book. Healing with a Loving Heart, Discover the Power of Energy Healing. Uh, this seems to be a much, uh, a more a individual book, yes? It, and tell, tell me about the book itself. Uh, this book was written with the uh, intent to help people understand uh, the power of healing, but also... Uh, if they have a certain label, I call uh, medical diagnosis, and uh, they couldn't find a way of getting better to offer the perspective of a healer of what else can they do. And in some cases, I gave um, a list of tests. For example, I found, to my surprise, that ALS is not an incurable disease in many cases. Yeah. Interestingly enough. Yeah, that's very surprising. Yeah, uh, it can be a toxicity, a high-level toxicity, or uh, I've also found um, being uh, uh, trace minerals missing from the person, very, very low level next to nail. And then the, the neural transmission can't happen. The traditional, so-called traditional ARS is when... Uh, the neural connections are ripped because of trauma. Wow. So a lot of this comes down to trauma, right? <laughs> yeah. And also in some cases, I tell people if they have, for example, headaches, what things should they answer to themselves and come with a list of uh, answers to the doctor so the doctor can help them better. Right. Well, this is one of many books you've written, several books you've written, and they all can be found at uh, healingbraininjury.com. I'm not sure. Can they buy the book actually there? Or they have to go to like Amazon, Goodreads, or one of those. To Amazon has all my books. Okay. But you can uh, click on my website and get to Amazon. Okay. Fair enough. And all uh, the books are, uh, the content of the books is uh, described on that website. The website is called healingbraininjury.com. Uh, my guest today has been uh, Dr. Susanna Stalker, and we've been talking about uh, healing, uh, energy healing, uh, but kind of going back and forth between um, individual and, and health issues and uh, the broader concept of healing, what uh, emotional healing, what our uh, nation needs right now and that's a really bigger discussion we are going to be talking more about that tomorrow night we'll be talking about what I'm calling uh, the American uh, Bielhorl Pooch uh, <laughs> tomorrow night with my guest Jeff Rasley uh, but this has been an interesting call, uh, talk I thank you I hope we've um, cleared things up uh, although 
you know, I, as I think about it, I probably have a lot more questions now than I did at, at the beginning of this program about this stuff. But it's always interesting to me. I thank you for your time, and I hope we've uh, uh, piqued some people's interest in, in finding out more and reading your books, and that's all we can hope for. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Have a great day, and bye for now. Uh, Dr. Susanna Stoica, folks, I hope you got something out of that. I'd love to hear your uh, questions and comments. I know we kind of, uh, it's kind of a tough discussion to have going back and forth from individuals to national stuff. It's it's not necessarily a laser-focused conversation, but I'd love to hear your opinions on it uh, and what your takeaway from the program is here today. Um, I'm Again, I'm pretty much still cynical about the state of what's going on in the country. And I do I do believe there's a lot to the idea that medicine should be looking in uh, traditional medicine uh, should be looking more at this idea of treating people more holistically, understanding the energy field. I think we're just, you know, from a scientific perspective, we're just scratching the surface of really understanding this connection between physical and energy and what it really means. Universe, all an energy field is the Milky Way, one big energy field, one aura. Some people will say yes, and uh, you know it's hard to argue against that kind of stuff. But what we really understand about it, and how we actually use that knowledge to benefit um, people's health, and and how we get along, and how we treat each other in the world, we're just scratching the surface in that kind of stuff. Love to hear your questions and comments about it, info at minddogtv.com, info at minddogtv.com. It's election day here in America, and uh, that has nothing to do with why I don't have a program tonight, but I don't have a program tonight, so the rest of the day is off. It's like school. I get a half a day uh, today on election day. I will be back with you tomorrow at 1 p.m. when my guest will be Cheryl Cashin, and we're going to talk about her book, White Space, uh, Black Hood. Uh, It's about segregation and... uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, the white privilege and how that um, manifests itself in hoarding opportunities and segregating spaces and things like that. We'll be talking about that tomorrow at 1 p.m. And then, as I mentioned, tomorrow at 8 p.m., Jeff Rasley, and we'll be talking about America's beer hall push, the January 6th insurrection uh, stuff. We'll be talking about that, trying to talk my me down off the ledge of uh, really worrying about uh, what the future holds for America. So that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for coming. Have a great rest of your day. Till tomorrow, I'm Matt Napa for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thanks for coming. Have a great day. Bye now.
to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.